Hey everyone, welcome back to Around the Emirates podcast with Sarah Musa, where I speak to guests from across the UAE about topics you want to hear about. Today, I'm sharing a very special segment of the show, which is one of the reasons why I have this podcast, which is to raise awareness for things that we don't necessarily talk about very often in our society. I have the absolute honor of being joined by a special guest, Dr. Bindia. Hello, doctor. Hi. Hi, Sarah. It's a real pleasure for me to have been given this opportunity to come on your platform, really. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate it. So you may ask, why is Dr. Bindia on Ramnirma's podcast? I have the answer. Dr. Bindia is a consulting gynecologist who also works at the Yas Clinic in Khalifa City, and she specializes specifically in, for the episode, cervical cancer screening. And we're going to talk a little bit about why that's important and why it's important for us to make sure that we're kind of getting ahead of the curve and taking care of our bodies. Dr. Bindia, please tell me your story. So Sarah, thank you for this lovely opportunity. I came into this uh, profession of, let's say, a doctor. Um, it was my dream, put it this way. And the reason it was my dream was to understand my own body, which is going to help the other women. So if I don't understand myself, it's difficult for me to explain it to other women across the world. And I actually started my training in India before I moved to the UK in early 2000s, you can say. And I had the opportunity to understand the medicine in gynecology in the developing world that time in India and how it differs to in the Western world. And the whole idea was to get a broader perspective in order to reach out and help more and more women. So this is how my story started. And I'm not going to tell on the show when it started. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a disclaimer here to make. I am a human being and I'm not a robot because before you start, you have to tick some things to say, OK, it's coming from a human being. <laughs> so this you. is, yeah, this is my story. And I moved to the UAE in 2016. Uh, so really not too long ago, almost seven years ago. And again, the reason was to understand the healthcare system here, how I could help women here, sharing my story, sharing my experiences, my knowledge, and at the same time, gaining from the community, because I see it's a bit different everywhere in the world. That's, so that's amazing. I'm so glad that you've been able to, to come on this to on the podcast and to kind of share your story here. And um, the fact that you came to the UAE uh, like seven years ago, which by the way, that's, that's that's a long time. You clearly are like at heart, you are from the UAE and I appreciate that. I've been here for 20 years as well. So totally appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> um, so uh, I understand why you got into the medical uh, sector, but why specifically gynecology? What made you think this is my path for my career? So gynecology, being a woman, I can relate to it better. Now, I don't want my men colleagues to get upset about it. But for example, if a patient says she's suffering with period cramps, for me to relate to it is easier other mm. than just what down in the textbooks. And I will add a little bit over here. When I was undergoing my postgrad training in India, I had my friends and all of them went into gynecology and I didn't want to be separated from my friends. So that was another reason I was wondering. <laughs> Girls that, stick you know, together. <laughs> stick together, exactly. We need to stick together. But little did I know that three years down the lane, we are anyway going to go our ways in life. 
but it was it was a fun time training there. And then when I moved to the UK in early 2000s, I made a whole new group of friends. And we, uh, and I, I must admit one thing: the the um, the real medicine of gynecology. So as a gynecologist, I got to the bottom of the basics when I did my postgrad training in the UK. And those questions that used to cross my mind: why we are doing this to women? Why we are not doing? This really, they, I got it all sorted out when I was undergoing my postgrad training. So you can say I did a double training once in the in, uh, once in the Indian setup and the other in the British setup. And um, I realized there is so much out there in gynecology. It relates to medicine. So to make it simple for my listeners, um, even let's say a pregnant patient with a cough, I need to treat her. So it's a very interesting. If you see gynecology encompasses medicine, surgery, gynecology, women's health, really. And uh, it's very intriguing and interesting. And the other reason why I wanted to do gynecology is I believe empowering a woman starts with making her understand her health as a priority. And I am, you can say, a sort of a feminist who believes, and I have been inspired by my mother, that from the teenage right to the age of retirement, a woman needs to look after her health. And as a gynecologist, I believe I could help them achieve that. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you've been able to, to talk about how kind of your, your female friends and even your, your male colleagues and, and how your mother have all inspired you to want to get to know not only your own body better, but to be able to help other women understand their bodies better and what they need to do to take better care of their mental and physical health. So I know that uh, January is uh, the cervical, aware cervical cancer awareness month. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, how can we, uh, like, what, what important things do we need to know about this type of cancer for women? How can women avoid this? Talk to me a little bit more about that. So, yes, you're absolutely right, Sarah. This is the week and rather the month of what we say as an awareness for cervical cancer, or I say cancer of the cervix. Very important to understand is the fourth most commonest cancer. And the most important thing is it is preventable. How can we prevent it is we start with the awareness. So it's very important. I hope my listeners will understand that any problem that they have with their periods, or let's say after they're with their partners, when they're intimate and there's bleeding, or there's malodorous vaginal discharge or anything that doesn't feel right down there, it's important to get themselves checked over. Now, this is one part of it. The other part of it is there is a very robust cancer cervical screening program. And I'm extremely impressed how we had it in the UK. And more than that, we have it over here, the robustness of the screening program. Put it this way, in my consultation, I always ask my patients, have you had a pap smear? Mm. Pap smear? Uh, yeah. And sometimes patients say, doctor, what do you mean by a pap smear? And I'm like, have you had any screening tests to look for cancer cells? from the neck of the womb to make it more simple. And many times I have had eyebrows raised, oh, I haven't heard of that, what is that? And I want my listeners to understand there's something called screening. Screening means we're not diagnosing it, we're just trying to run a test where if something is not quite right, we need to get to the bottom of it to understand really is it not quite right or is it a false positive? Mm. But what is extremely important is there is a program and the program works like this. The screening program starts from the age of 25. Before that, we don't tend to do it. Okay. Now from 25, yeah, because the reason being, so you could ask me like, why we don't need to do it before 25? The body immunity is so good that even if there are certain cells, it tends to heal itself. 
And we don't want to over scare our patients, but at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not missing out anything. So 25, yeah. And 25 is the international guideline actually. Mm. So from 25 until 29, we tend to do what is called a three-year screening program. Earlier, before the new guidelines came up last year, this started from 25, from the age of 25 till 49, we were doing a three-yearly screening program of pap smear. So what that meant is a patient comes on her 25th birthday, we do the tests, and what is a test? Now, what, what really we do is, of course, they have to go to their gynecologist or sometimes a family physician. And then we take a tiny little brush and then we just uh, brush off the cells from the neck of the womb and send it to the lab. We're looking for something as called normal. If it's normal, we tell the patient, well, go home, come back after three years, unless any of the symptoms that I alluded to earlier they have, so they come before three years. However, after the age of 49 and going right up to 65, they tend to come every five years. Mm. So this is just talking about the pap smear. However, because the guidelines have changed and you may have heard of something called HPV testing or a human papilloma virus testing. So what that does is, put it this way, if there's an abnormal pap smear, so abnormal could mean anything like, um, let's say is um, like, okay, let's put it mild, moderate and severe. So if it's coming in mild to moderate, most likely it's because of the virus. Mm-hmm. We all are aware there's no medication for virus. The body's immunity tends to get rid of the virus itself. Right. Yeah. So now with the Department of Health has implemented, uh, has uh, put down a new guideline where from the age of 30 till 65, we can do a co-testing. So what is a co-testing? You do a pap smear and you do a HPV test. Mm-hmm. If your pap smear is not right, but the HPV test is negative, we can very safely tell these patients because there's no virus, we will repeat the test again after three years, but for five years, you can be reassured. So Got which it. means you have two tests at the same time just to reassure the patient. Wow. And Yeah. And see how science has advanced, you know, I mean, I've seen it before this, it was only pap, pap, pap. Now it's a pap and a HPV test. But the least I expect the patients to do is a pap smear. If it's abnormal, it's important to go through further tests. There's no use, you leave it for long. And I've seen in my clinic, I had a patient, I recall, it was last week and I um, must be late 40s. And I asked her, when was your last pap smear test? She said, doctor, I've never had it. I said, you're not joking with me. She said, I never knew this existed. So of course, in my clinic, I counseled her and she was very, very hesitant. She said, is it the same test that hurts a lot? So the perception of women is that this test is painful. Mm. And I just want to reassure them it's no more painful than it would be if you don't do it. And it turns out to be cancer later on. Of course. Wow. This that's, is, yeah. That's, that's a lot of really important information to know. I definitely didn't even know 10% of this. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. that. That's very important for all of the listeners to hear. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. 
So um, firstly, thank you for sharing those details. Um, I definitely think that there's a lot that can be taken away from that after this episode is aired. Um, if we can talk a little bit more kind of about your medical journey and kind of uh, how you got to where you are today, um, what would you say was kind of the biggest obstacle that you've uh, faced and how have you overcome it? So my journey, of course, for any for anybody, I would say it's full of challenges, ups and downs. Nothing comes easy in life. I always live by the mantra, no pain, no gain. Of course. And because, <laughs> yeah. And, and as I'm very passionate about women's health, I, of course, underwent my training and came to the UAE. But one of the most uh, one of the biggest challenges that I encountered when I moved my working pattern from the British healthcare system to the uh, to the Emirate healthcare system, I stumbled across the insurance challenges. Um, so there's a healthcare insurance system that works here. And I was used to see and treat the patient at the same time. And I recognized, and I still recall that episode when I first started working here, I saw a patient, I did all her treatment, of course, following the consent. And uh, I was told off that you are not allowed to do this. You have to first seek insurance approval from the um, insurance provider because it's uh, it, it doesn't work that way. And initially I couldn't figure that out. I said, how could I tell the patient, go home, come back later? Because in the NHS in the UK, you see the patient, if you need to treat her in the clinic, you do it at the same time or you list her. Uh, yeah, for of course. But on the flips, then I got to the bottom of it to understand. And actually the flip side I recognized is you can see your patients more um, on a more frequent basis over here. They can see the same doctor repeatedly for whatever small the problem is. And so there's a bonding. There's a special mm. bond established with your patients here. I, I can recall as I uh, chat to you, I have a lovely patient who gave me a review and said, talking to you, Dr. Binder, is like as if I'm talking to a friend or a sister. I don't feel I'm talking to a doctor. Aww. And I was so, I mean, I couldn't stop myself from going over that review again and again. And she's still my patient. And I was like, you know what? That means a lot to me. I have achieved what I wanted to with my career. And um, so this was my biggest challenge, really, understanding the insurance system. But now as I've got my head around it, I know how to work around it. And I'm helping my patients just as much as I wanted to. I did not consider insurance as something that would be uh, kind of a point of uh, like challenge for doctors. That's very interesting to, to know about that. I'm glad that you're able to, to kind of understand it better and to adjust to it. But very interesting. I thought you were going to say something like I had to spend tons of money on med school and didn't have the money or like I had to spend so many sleepless nights and I you know couldn't focus. But the system itself, it's interesting that you, that you bring that up, the fact that it was the process itself of being able to see patients and, and, and kind of uh, have to um, understand the the insurance steps it's interesting that you say that um, having said that do you feel like there's any kind of crazy or wild story that you have to tell in your journey to becoming a doctor yeah I actually experience it every day so it's quite interesting and intriguing I often have a laugh with my patients about it so, you know, whenever I have to list a patient for a surgery, because I'm a gynecology surgeon, and it's something to do with the tummy, and they always say, doctor, while you're in there, can you just do me a tummy tuck? And I always have a chuckle about it. And I'm like, you know what? You know, if I wasn't a doctor, I would have asked my doctor to do the same thing. <laughs> and 
I had a day before yesterday, you know, Thursday. She said, while you do my C-section, just remove the extra fat. And I'm like, oh, my word. I wish I could, you know, but it's not that simple, you know. Wow. I hear it a lot, you know. I hear it a lot and I do find it hilarious that how, and it's a very logical thing. If you if you say it's very logical, it's, it's, it's just asking me, just work a bit more there. <laughs> Yeah, a little tuck there. Yeah. No one's gonna know. It's all right. We're good. We're friends, right? We're good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's actually hilarious. I love how they're like, doctor, like, you know, between me and you, like, let's just do me a solid, do me a favor. And it's like, I really can do that. Or like, it's not in my job description, but, you know, good luck with the next time. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So um, I'm glad that we talked a little bit about kind of your professional experience, kind of aside from, from this, the cancer of the cervix uh, um, conversation. I know that we've talked kind of about like screening and, and pap smears. Is there any kind of last word of advice you'd like to leave the listeners today? My take home messages for all the women who are listening to me is be very, very mindful of your health, because I believe if you are healthy, you have a physical healthy body. It will keep you mentally healthy as well. And do not uh, see the what science has evolved. Science has evolved in the medical world to help patients. And there's no use if patients cannot take advantage of it. And I really want to um, leave one take home message. Please, please be very regular with your health, especially because it's the Cancer Cervical Awareness Month. A pap smear is the least you can do. And believe you me, having been on the other side of the fence many times, it is not at all painful. A slight discomfort, but then in life, we have discomfort with so many things. It's better, I say, nip things in the bud before it gets very complicated for yourself and your family. This is my take-home message that, you know, just um, those who have not had a pap smear so far, pluck your courage. It's not that, that bad. Trust me. And go to your gynecologist and they will sort you out for it. Thank you so much, Dr. Vindia, for those wise words. I have had such a great and educational experience speaking to you today. I think that it's really important for us to make sure that we continue talking about these things just so that people don't forget it. They put their health first, the same way that people drink water, the same way that people, you know, for, for women put on their makeup or, you know, get dressed to go to work every day as to become part of the routine. You also must make sure that we're doing everything we can to take care of our health. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sarah, for this opportunity. Of course, it's been thank an absolute you. pleasure. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye.